0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hebrews chapter 12, let's go there. We'll get after this. We're talking about uh, a disciplined race. I think, is that what I named it? Part two, I think, is where we're at. Um, last week we started out, got partway through Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is why it takes me months to get through and years through books of the Bible. But the revelation is good, amen? The Lord said something to me years ago. He said, if you jumped into eternity, would you ever hit the bottom? And uh, he was speaking to me about the depth of the word and what's available. And there are things that we just don't, we're, we're going to constantly be learning. Anybody that's walked with the Lord with for more than a year, two, three, and really, really gone after it, especially 10, 20, 30 years, you realize that the availability of revelation that's in the word is a lot deeper than what you first saw. I mean, John 3.16 can be more real today and have more meaning today and should than it did when you were first saved. And so the word of God is that way. And you can get, and this is a good addiction, but get addicted to it. You know, so um, whatever you kind of pour into yourself, you crave. So if you feed on things that you should, um, you'll develop a hunger for it. So uh, a lot of times people don't realize this in spiritual growth. They think, well, I'm still sinning like I was before in an area or areas before I was saved, and I thought I was a new creature. It's just because you developed an appetite for that, you just got to change your appetite. And so just change your palate. How many of, you know, they say just fast sugar. It feels like, you know, your body says, I'm going to die if you don't give me sugar, you know. Just and if you don't believe that your body's that way, just fast for three days. Partway through the second day, your body will go, "I give up, it's over," (laughs) and then it'll it'll quit screaming. You know, it'll 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 quit uh, whining at you. So it's the same way with spiritual things. If you feed on the word and feed on good things, uh, you'll your soul, your emotions will be full of the emotions. Uh, that you have in the spirit or of God, as we'd put it that way. But we're in Hebrews chapter 12. We stated before that um, in the verse 1, I believe that uh, Paul is the author of Hebrews. We don't have necessarily a written thing like that, but I explained why I believe that. You can believe what you want to believe. So up to you, but uh, we'll find out in heaven that I was right. All right, so <laughs> every preacher thinks they're right on everything, all right. It's good to have confidence, just not arrogance, right? Okay, so <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Other translations that I read and put together on this are, seeing that we are encircled by such a large number of witnesses, let us put off every impediment and the sin that can easily tie us up, the sin that cleverly places itself in an entangling way around us. Let us run with endurance the course marked out for us. So there's a course that we're to run. And we broke this down into different sections, this verse. And the first part we looked at was since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And I'm not going to review that. If you want to know more uh, or learn more about what we talked about, that, uh, the last week's message is available online. And we talked about a few different things about uh, Hebrews chapter twelve verse one and that cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter twelve verse one comes on the heels of Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, and really what we mean by that is that um, not that these were to look back at these people and worship them, but were to look back at them and see the example they gave and realize that that they were living by faith, so we can live by faith. And that they also are cheering us on. And that they also handed off a baton to us to live by faith as well. So, if, if you're living by faith, that means you have yourself in the natural in a place where you can't get yourself out. Right? In the natural. Uh, you say, what do you mean by that? That means that your brains aren't enough, your ability's not enough, your strength isn't enough, none of that. You are in a place where God has to have an open door into your life to make it go. So when we're living by faith, we're actually doing things we can't do in and of ourselves. That's, the, that's, the, that's Hebrews chapter 11. If you go through Hebrews chapter 11 and come to the conclusion, I'm as smart as that guy, you missed it. Okay, Uh, God, God does this. He'll take a Jewish expert in the law and send him to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles could care less about your Jewish expert. He'll put you in a position where you are so uncomfortable naturally that you have to rest on what he said about you. That's how God operates. That's what he does. He'll take a stupid fisherman... And send him to the educated Jews. Come on. And he didn't call Peter stupid. You understand. We we just naturally, we talk about. In other words, Peter didn't go to Hebrew school. He didn't sit at the feet of Gamaliel. He wasn't in the upper echelon. Rising to the highest ranks of pharisaical, you know, prominence in the religious structure of the day. Do you know there's no different today? We got the same stuff. We just label it different. Same religious demons. God will say, no, no, no. I want you to go over here and do this. God will say, here's a staff. Moses, part the waters. Lord, I've played with sticks my whole life. They've never parted waters for me. He doesn't care. He says, here's a stick. Throw it down. It'll be a snake. Moses going, I played with sticks as a kid. None of them turned into snakes. But that's what God does. So in Hebrews chapter twelve, as we're coming in, we're on the heels of this, and and we're seeing that these men and these women of faith all made mistakes. I'm not prophesying that over you. You're just gonna, <laughs> okay? I, I'm not. I, I don't. You know, we don't have to. We yeah. But but our heart is not in it, right? We're not intentionally, now if you're intentionally doing it, that's one thing. That, you know there needs to be some correction and stuff always. and there's always correction. But we're not trying to mess up. we're 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 stepping out on what God has for us in a move forward to believe and stretch and go beyond what we can do, right? And so they did that. We saw that they made mistakes. but what else did we see? We see, that they reoriented themselves to God, beginning with a confession of their sins. So if they missed, missed it, if they messed up, what did they do? I was wrong. I mean, Peter, he confessed a lot. You know what I mean? I mean? Peter Peter was like, talk now, think later. How many can I identify? You, yeah. <laughs> talk now, think later, okay? <laughs> I do, so I'll do this. I'll, I'll say something because I'm convinced of it, you know. And then later, do you, you ever do this? Play it back in your mind? You circle the room, so to speak, when you were talking to your kids and you go, hmm, maybe I was wrong on that. (laughs) So my kids can attest that I've apologized to them at least once or twice. (laughs) Ian Ian just raised his hand. you (laughs) You say, why? Reorienting to the grace, Right? So, but in that, even when I sinned, God never said, you stand outside the Holy of Holies. Because I'm not getting to him by my performance. And neither are you. Not only are you, not you, you did, you're not, you didn't get there by your performance, you're not staying there by your performance. You're there by Jesus' performance. My God, if that doesn't make you happy... We can't help you on Mother's Day. So the other thing they did, and we saw this was Philippians 3, 13 and 14 and 1 John 1, 9. They moved forward, not looking back. You know, have you ever tried to drive to your destination looking in the rear view mirror? Have you ever noticed in your car, your windshield is this big and your rear view mirror is... It's prophetic. Stop looking back. It's over. You can't go back, but you can go forward. Amen? All right. So we're talking about dis- discipline, and we, talked to, we got into let us lay aside every weight. But in talking about discipline, we made this statement. Believers like professional athletes are to live disciplined lives in order to compete successfully in the race. So the Christian runner lays aside everything that hinders running and avoids anything that might disqualify them from winning. The testimony of the witness marshaled from the Old Testament assures all believers that it is possible to be justified by faith, gain a reputation for righteous living, endure suffering and death without seeing the promise completely fulfilled. People say, I don't like that. Well, it's still there. (laughs) You might as well. And people say, well, what should I do then? Die with your boots on. What do you mean? In faith. That's what they did. They died in faith. Without seeing Christ, they died. But they saw him who was unseen. It just wasn't in this natural world. People get confused about this principle, but it takes time. But if you read through the word and keep letting it renew your thinking, you'll see it over time. So then he goes on to say this. He said, uh, they accomplished great things for God. So do you know that you're designed to accomplish great things for God? Now, you cannot define that by the world system or by somebody else's call. Just be in your call. Watch. You'll be satisfied with your call if you find your satisfaction in him first. You won't be if you're comparing, you, if you have comparisonitis. Constantly looking at somebody else going, well, if I had their church numbers, this is the preacher world, right? Well, if I was, if I was, this kid, I could write that book. Not, not what you should be thinking about. Am I supposed to write that book? I, I love what Brother Hagin said years ago, and it's just stuck with me. He said, somebody said to him, he, he mentioned to them. That he was gonna write a book, his first book. Now, there are 60 million, well, there's more than 60 million copies of his books all over the world right now. But Brother Hagan didn't set out in ministry to have 60 million copies of his books around the world. But in the church world today, that's how they operate. And it's wrong. If it's not spirit led, it's wrong. It's actually sin. It's like becoming a preacher if you're called to be an accountant. It's a sin. And people would say, oh, no, God wouldn't. No, God would because he knows your call. So he said this. This person said to him, oh, you're going to write a book? He said, yeah, I'm thinking about it. They said, you can make a lot of money doing that. He didn't write the book for seven more years because he had to get that motivation away from him. This is a guy who taught prosperity, but he knew that spiritual things had to happen first before natural things. How many have found that in your own life? Every time, right? Spiritual things first. Don't uh, don't have too much (laughs) wanderlust. Do you like that? Grass is greener. You'll get over there and start eating and go, huh, tastes the same as on the other side of the fence. (laughs) (laughs) We are to lay aside every weight, and this is where we left off last week, and the weights um, that he's talking about, these are things that ensnare us, and we talked about this word ensnare, and the word ensnare carries the idea of skillfully surrounding in order to prevent or retard running. So do you ever feel like you're trying to run, but it's like, what is going on? Some of it could be the enemy hindering you, but if it's a weight or a sin, it's something in your life where you're opening the door to the devil to hinder you, then you have to deal with that first. Now, once you deal with that, then you're you're in a place where not that God now gives you authority, but where your authority is actually operable. Okay? So I'll put it to you like this. When you sin, you don't lose your righteousness. What you do is you you open the door to the enemy, which causes the problem, right? So God's not putting sickness on you, right? He's not not in heaven with secret deals, handshakes behind the throne with the devil going, okay, I'm going to present myself like this, but I need you to do this, this, and this. And the devil's like, right. They are not working together. They are not partners, friends, companions, none of that. Jesus is not brother to Satan. Sorry, there's some weird ones out there, weird doctrines, okay? None of that. But what sin does and what what weights do is they hinder us from running. And then the enemy takes advantage of that and says, see, God doesn't love you. He tries to put condemnation on us when there is therefore now no condemnation. Even after I sin, God is still not condemning me. He condemned Jesus so that I wouldn't be... Then you say, what is the feeling that I feel? You'll find no place in Scripture that the Holy Spirit condemns anybody. He'll convince. He'll teach. So where do I feel condemned? Your own heart condemns you, and the enemy works with that. It has nothing to do with God. God's not in heaven going, I don't love them anymore. That's it. This is the final straw. He's not doing that at all. It's not even in his mind. He is a redeemer. Watch. I'll put it to you like this will help. This will help. God believes in the payment Jesus gave. Do we? (laughs) He believes it. I choose to agree. I went to bed last night. I was meditating Isaiah 53. Did you know I don't have to pay for all the years of stupid I did? It's over. It can't even sit in my body. It can't sit in my soul. Because Jesus paid the price. If I believe he paid in full... What am I doing trying to pay, tipping God? If the meal is paid for, come on, I didn't go, I went to the drive-thru to get coffee this morning, and I got up and I had my card there, and the person said, "Uh, the person in front of you paid. I didn't go, oh, no, no, I can't receive that. Just, here, here, no, no, they can't pay for me. I'm going to pay for myself. I ordered this, I have to... Grace says, paid in full. Faith, now this is the, I believe this is the bigger issue with our challenge to faith, is believing that it's that good. Because we know we. Right? We know each other, right? We know, we know the fleshy things that happen. And God's in heaven going, nope. Nope, nope, nope. So last night I meditated in Isaiah 53, and in the middle of the night I woke up and I said, God is completely satisfied with me. Yes. He's as satisfied with me as he is with Jesus right now. Yes. Now I, I don't feel anything, but what am I doing? I'm operating in faith. Come on. That kind of understanding will make you build an ark when it hasn't rained in years. (laughs) You've never seen a flood and you go, I'm building a big old boat. Because there's a ton of animals coming. You'll preach righteousness for a hundred years with that kind of understanding with no converts but your own family. Because you're in Revelation. You don't care. you're You're not all wrapped up. In what the world says and how they think and what they do, or what religious people do, or you're just wrapped up in Jesus. Come on, with that kind of understanding, you'll sleep in the back of a boat when it's sinking, and everybody else is going, We're going down, and you're sawing logs. Why? Because you know who's. You are. You are his. Now, I know I'm off subject. I get it to a degree. But we need to hear this. How else are we going to overcome? We we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I say what God said about me. Come on, you have to say what God said about you when the when people in the church around you say something different. When the religious spirit tries to come in. Listen, I could bring people in here that you don't know. That hung out with me before I was saved, and I could make you you would be you would be astonished at what we did. But you know I never think about that. Unless the Lord brings it up because he wants me to give a testimony because somebody in the crowd's under condemnation because they think they did something so horrible. And then the Lord says, oh, you think you're bad? Look what I redeemed out of (laughs) Sean. Come on. Right? (laughs) But I don't think about why that's not who I am. Yeah, but I just know three weeks ago you did this. Yeah, you know something, a picture of something that's actually gone. The devil took a picture of it, but God didn't. He, he made it as far as the east from the west. He threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he put up a sign, no fishing. <laughs> you cannot sail out here and discover things. It's gone. The blood of Jesus works, and it worked. Come on, think about this. You are as blessed as Jesus is right now. come Come on, Ephesians 1 3. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's done, it is finished, right? It is finished. Oh, that's good preaching. That's only 922. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, we just already eviscerated the enemy. I mean, we have just picked up shields and swords, wham, and slammed them together in the spirit and just there goes the darkness. Smells like war. (laughs) Right? I mean, this afternoon, if you do this right, you'll be able to take a nap like you never have before in your life. (laughs) You will, because you'll be sleeping in him. Jesus is the greatest napper You have ever met in your life. Yeah. We should make shirts. Be like Jesus. Take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they that are of faith do enter into. They've ceased from their labor. I'm going to pray it out. I'm going to pray it out. Not like that. You might as well go in and just rest and see where the Lord leads you. And he may say, Don't even, don't even talk about that. Let's not even look at I'm gonna have you pray for so and so over here. And you think, Lord, but I got all these, you know, you just put that in my hands, I'll take care of it. Amen. If the enemy can get us focused on weights and snares, he can hinder our faith. And it's not that the power of God is diminished because he's on max power at all times. In other words, God never has to recharge. We short-circuit the flow when we operate in sins or weights. Okay? And so when we think of God's discipline, we can't think in terms of God's mad at me. He never disciplines in rage or anger. Ever. God doesn't. He doesn't do that. Now, he He may get stronger with you about certain things... But not because he's just mad. Because he knows, like with with me, he knows if I was doing, he knows if you don't, if he doesn't go, bridges out, bridges out, and I keep driving down this road, but it don't 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 see lightning bolts and fire in God's eyes, like he's going to consume you. He's not after that. He's not after that at all. Come on, what is the discipline of the Lord? It's like a professional trainer with a professional athlete. They're not there to harm you. They're there to strengthen you. Come on, Jesus is your spotter. And you may say, oh, I put too much weight on the bar for my max. You got a spotter. Even if you, you know, it's like, you know, probably for me, like 150 pounds. But if you are pushing. And you're, and you're pushing, and you're like, ah, oh, and you're not getting it. And then Jesus get down there. And he, have you ever seen this with spotters? I have. And They just get just a little, just a little bit. And he oop, and you put it up, and you go, woo! And Jesus is like, you did it. And the whole time, Jesus was like, I did it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but good job, you believed me. Come on, you say. Is there spotters in the Bible? Yes, their names were Aaron and Her. Come on, Moses, as a leader, was in a fight. He couldn't win without spotters. So they said, what's the requirement, Moses? Just hold my hands up. Okay, I can do this. Moses is just wore out. He's sitting down now. But the battle's got to be won, so they just, what's your job? Just this. And that's what we are with each other, too. We're spotters, amen? So sins and weights are designed to ensnare. They're designed to prevent. They're designed to retard running. They're designed to, um, the idea is that weights and sins will prevail over our ability to run our race if we do not eliminate them out of our lives. The things that the Holy Spirit is referring to here are things that we have authority over. So if you think about it, there are already uh, any number of things that we cannot control in our lives that try to prevent our running this God race. So why allow any of that that we can eliminate so if we can eliminate it, don't allow it. Because there's already how many things... He inter- you remember when Doug Jones was here. He said, I know the devil's resisting me. I know the flesh is against me. I know other people can be against me. I certainly don't want God resisting me. Because he resists the what? The proud. He doesn't beat into a pulp the proud. He resists so if, you, if you're trying to go in a direction, you feel like, God, are you going to help me with this? It may be he's going, no, no, let's go this way. Come on, right? By the Holy Spirit. So we need to be aware of that, or he may be saying, there's a snare there. There's a snare there. Don't go there. There's a snare there. Let's go this way, then this. Okay, now you can move. Does that make sense? There's a trap there. And what does a snare have? It's usually along the, a along the path where animals are going. But if you think about a trap, what does a trap usually have on it? Bait. So what baits you? Okay, we better get into this. All right? What baits you? So weights are natural hindrances, and sins can be weights as well. Sins can be sins of thoughts. And they can be sins of the tongue, or they can be what are called overt or plain sins. That get just fleshiness. Okay? Now you say sins of thoughts, what does that mean? When you when you hear about a sin of a thought, you have to think in terms of not just a thought, but a meditation. Because how many have ever had a bad thought come to their mind? Okay, if you haven't, you're brain dead. <laughs> We'll pray for you. <laughs> okay? Everybody here has had a bad thought come to their mind, right? And have you ever done this? Where did that come from? Well, as believers, we know. We know where it came from. It came from the enemy. Or it came from the resources of the natural man, which is not fully redeemed yet. Okay? Now, what we do with that thought determines if it's a sin or not. This is what I love about these particular things. When it's in the thought realm, it's still hidden. Not that you should be trying to hide it, but then you know God can deal with you privately. And he works and works and works in those areas, he's done this with me so many times, works and works and works, even through other people not knowing anything but saying something that triggers a particular thought or brings something up inside of me. And then I go, oh, I need to look at that. And then you go deal with it with the Lord by yourself. God's goal in discipline is always private. 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999% of the time. Come on. People, you know, we like to read public rebuke and we sit in our righteous indignation, our pharisaical spirit. (laughs) It made me laugh on the inside. I just let it out. (laughs) We want to go that's right publicly rebuke them prepare the gallows <laughs> jesus was already on the gallows pray for your brother and sister pray for me right come on come on we're supposed to have what fervent love for one another do you just when you think about everybody in the church you just go Whew. Oh, the fervency of the love of God for me, for them, is in me. Because, you know, if it's not in your emotion, it actually is in my spirit, your spirit. It's there. You know, Jesus right now, is he is radiating love. Not ignorance, love. And so they can be these sins. And so this sin can easily ensnare us. Sins like this are things like spiritual drifting, dullness, prolonged immaturity, come on, that can hurt, and deliberate sinning. These things may tangle the feet and trip a person up so that he or she falls and drops out of the race and misses the prize. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. We got to stop with that. I had a guy here uh, a couple of months ago, uh, might even be even longer now, um, that uh, they were coming to the church for a little bit, but I knew he he was after me because he said, You you brought so and so in, a minister, and he, he basically said, You can't lose your salvation. Now, watch this. You ready? You can't lose it. Now, watch, you could reject it. That's different. And I'm going to say this, the moment any of us go down the path of trying to decide whether somebody's going to heaven or hell or not, I don't know about you, but like I told this gentleman, I said, last time I checked, there are no openings and applications for the Godhead. So I said, you should just stay out. He needed it. (laughs) Listen, he. my point is this. You miss a prize, you don't miss heaven. Okay, all right people. Smile now on your brother. <laughs> all right, let me let me let me attack it from the other side. <clears throat> what did you do to get saved? How many good deeds? Did it take? So you know how the law works, right? If you score a 99, you fail. It's not Jesus does 90% and you now have to do 10. Come on. If there's one rock chip in the windshield, it's no longer perfect. That's why Jesus is your windshield. He can't chip. He's untouchable. And if you stay behind him and in him, you're untouchable. Come on, you're untouchable. Your salvation is secure because it's not based on you. And people say, well, you, you, your people will go out and sin if you teach like that. They're sinning anyway, <laughs> unwittingly, they're doing it. Paul preached grace so strong, he had to add a whole chapter in Romans 6 telling people not to sin and that he wasn't giving them a license to sin. He did. Do you know why you don't want to sin? Not because God can't recover, He's already paid for it. God tells you not to sin because it affects our relationship person to person and it affects us personally. Not because God's in heaven going, oh, you know, Dale went five miles an hour over the speed limit. This is how the law works. You do realize that. Some people are like, well, I'm under grace, so I'm just going to be lazy. You should get born again. (laughs) Weights and sins hinder us. Come on, if God won't talk to you after you sin, how are you going to confess it? How are you going to come boldly to the throne of grace? You become an enemy in your mind through wicked works. God's mind is still, oh, come on, come on. God is so secure in who he is. He never goes, I can't take it anymore, Michael, Gabriel. Just Jesus is over. But but remember the blood, Father. He's getting mad. Looks at all the angels. Pray, y'all pray. God's about to lose it. Come on, he's God. He said, I said it. I said it from the beginning what the end will be. It's done. It's done. (laughs) I can feel the anointing going all the way through my toes right now, and it feels good. Sin that easily ensnares is a particular area of weakness which easily wraps itself around an individual Christian. Though there may be sins which would never tempt some Christians, other sins prove to be a great temptation. Have you ever noticed that? This is because each person has at least one area of weakness which is greater than any other and so must be guarded more closely. You guard you. What is the area? Now, that doesn't mean you start making that area of weakness your identity. You focus on the word for the area of weakness and make it a strength. You know, I've never struggled with homosexuality or transgenderism, ever, I've never even questioned it, but we got generations of people that are going to be coming up. Well, we already have the homosexuality issue, and it's a nature of the flesh, you do realize. But even young people coming up, they're, they're being trained to that they're not biologically what they are born as. So what are they going to struggle with? So how are we going to help them? I'm okay with standing on the righteous truth of the word as long as it has the redemptive flavor. God is not going, homosexuals and transgenders, kill them all. God is going, I died for them all. Come on, what is it? Is it anger? Is it legalism? Come on, an administrator can hate a dreamer. <laughs> it's true, right? What, what I mean by that, by hate, it's like this. Dreamers, they don't plan well. Administrators are like, katunk, 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 katunk. You know what I mean? A dreamer can be really frustrated with an administrator. What, where is the, where is, where am I in my life with what I'm called to? Where are the areas where I could go, I could easily be caught, wrapped up, entangled in something that I shouldn't? Yep. Because it's an area of weakness in my life. So here's the thought that comes to me. If I, if pressures are on me. You know, maybe drinking is okay for me. You see, are you serious? Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't leave it at that. I'm talking about naturally now. I'm not talking about me, the spirit man. I'm talking about what I did before. And I'd add some weed to it too. You say drunk and high? At the same time. You say, that thought comes to you. Yeah. Do you know how far it goes? Not far. You know, I'm not up here acting the way I am because I was herbal before I came to church. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Well, how could that thought come to you, Sean? Because I'm in the same earth you are. That thought comes to me. Now, that thought, now, when I was first saved, now Mike knows when I was first saved, so does Heidi, so does Jody. I mean, I looked like I had put those two together a lot in my life, physically, okay? <clears throat> it wasn't a diet program, it just, you know. <laughs> it was a lot stronger then. Then today, now I recognize it. Nope, nope, nope. And then after you get that past those things, then the Lord deals with other things. Amen? And they're disciplined things. What are they? They're spotter. They're training. that they tears muscles, and it's a little bit painful, <clears throat> but it isn't pain that requires surgery to repair. It just needs a little rest, maybe, maybe an ice pack. Maybe maybe a, a sauna or a hot tub. Come on, this is how Jesus is. And it strengthens and builds back that muscle. It's a tear of the muscle that is designed to bring greater strength and growth, not designed to make weak hands and feeble knees. We're still in verse one. And I only have two minutes, so we're not going anywhere else. Let me read these. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I mean, this teaching is probably only 30 pages long. There's no way we're getting through all that, but that's all right. We are to run the race with perseverance. Let us run with endurance. That is the race that is set before us. When the Christian life is compared to a race, it is not like a sprint or 100-yard dash but like a marathon or cross country race it requires determination and perseverance over a long course it is not difficult to run a fast uh, to run fast for a short distance but to run a steady and persistent race for the long distance requires endurance the heroes of faith ran with perseverance and so must we running the race with endurance refers to the daily christian life which all believers must participate in This is the life of forgetting past sins and looking to the future with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, God is not holding anything against you. Endurance is a perpetuation of the faith rest technique because believers must run in the strength of the Holy Spirit and not in their own strength. By remaining under the control of the Holy Spirit, believers won't slip back into the strength of the flesh to continue the race. Having begun in the spirit, we must continue in it each day. In addition to the daily race, God has an individual race previously set or planned from the eternity past for every believer. So I'll put it to you like this. You are called to be saved in relationship. And then there's a call of an operation in the body of Christ, whether it be finger, toe, eye, lung, whatever it is. And they work together. Amen? Mm Amen.